Let's talk about unconscious bias. Let's also discuss why black people need a blood test to find out their vitamin D levels. What about the Jamaican women making history? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. If you can, help others. If you can't do that, at least do not harm them. The Dalai Lama. So, found out about an interesting lady, one of the first, uh, well, the first, uh, Miss Cicelyn Faye Allen. She's now 87 and she was Britain's first black policewoman. Dark-skinned, heavy-accented Jamaican woman. Shocked, shocked the residents of London in 1968. Um, she done, well, she, I mean, she's the person that, that paved the way for all the other women that come behind her uh, in the Metropolitan Police. So at the moment, uh, there's about 27%, I believe, uh, women working in the Metropolitan Police. So she was a forebearer and she's still alive today, lives in Jamaica now. So yeah, she's, she's somebody I learned about this week, so I thought I'd share that. Also, uh, Fanny Eaton, first black supermodel um, between 1835 and 1924. Also Jamaican-born woman, uh, came to England, London as an infant. Um, just after the abolition of slavery, and she, there's several paintings drawn of her, sketches, prints, etc. Uh, sometimes she was in the background, sometimes she was the main subject. So, yes, yeah, so she's officially before you know our like your um, all of the black models. I'm trying to think of the names now; they've just gone out of my head. Um, Naomi Campbell, yes. So Naomi Campbell. This is one of her four four bearers that paved the way. I wonder if she even knows, probably does, probably does, she's in that field. So yeah, so that's good to know. Um, we've been in the fashion and supermodel business for a long, long time, little did we know. So also, um, James Jimmy Peters, um, in 1906, he was the first black man to play um, rugby for England, and he remained the only one um, for about 82 years. So I think it was 1988, Chris Otty um, represented England after that. So between him and eight, it took 82 years for somebody else to do it. So very interesting. So yeah, definitely somebody who opened the, opened the door pretty much for, that, for black people to be involved in that sport and to be accepted in that sport. So Roy Francis in 1955 became the first black head coach of, British, of a British top tier professional rugby team. So I think a British uh, professional team of any kind, to be fair. So he's somebody that definitely should also be noted. Also, um, Arthur Wharton, um, a Ghanaian, um, he was also known by his Ghanaian name of Kwame. He was the first professional black footballer and he was a goalkeeper. Um, they used to talk about him as being invincible, you know, in the, in the 19th century newspapers of the time. Um, and he's, he's, his career spanned from like 1885 to 1902, so who knew? Didn't know we was in the game that long, but yeah, so he's Arthur um, Kwame, as I said. They've got a mural um, dedicated to him as well in up north. I forgot the actual location, but yeah, up north, so definitely look into that. So Lewis Hamilton finally does it. I mean, it was just a matter of time before he did it, but he's done it now. He's... He's broken Schumacher's record. So 
He's won 92 um, Grand Prix. Um, yeah, and he celebrated it with his father. It was, a, it was quite an emotional watch, you know. Obviously, they've been for a lot. And obviously, his brother also drives as well. Um, his brother's got some uh, physical physical disabilities, but he's also a driver as well. So, But it was just really nice to see him win it and, you know, be with his dad. His dad's been through the journey with him since he was go-karting. So really nice to see. Um, and I think the only other... He's, well, basically, I think Schumacher's got seven uh, world championships and Lewis has got six. So... He's, he's on track to obviously beat that as well. He'll probably equal that this year and then go on to next year to beat that, God willing. So hats off to him, man. They, they need to, they need to um, hold, hold that British, that black British man up high, you know, because he's doing it for Britain. He's doing it for Britain. He's doing it under Britain. So, yeah, definitely need to big up Lewis Hamilton. Also, um, found out about some, they, they've got dogs now, detection dogs that they're trialling, um, basically to detect COVID within humans, within seconds. So basically, just like if you're carrying drugs and they've got the sniffer dogs, they'll be able to sniff if you've got COVID. <laughs> that, that's amazing. You know, I mean, I'd really like to understand how that, how that really works, how, how they do that, but... Um, well, I suppose it's just the same as the drug thing, I suppose. Dog, dogs have super sensitive noses, so they can, they can pick that up. But, um, I mean, if, a dog, if someone comes and sniffs you with the dog and they say that you've got COVID and you didn't know and you haven't got, you haven't got any symptoms and then they say that you've got lockdown and stuff like that, it's going yeah, to be interesting to see how that all pans out. But, hey, science, you know, they're moving forward with this stuff. Um, they also spoke about, also read about, rather, um, people are now, they're finding people who've contracted COVID having issues with their toes, their toes getting swollen, going red, kind of getting blisters and stuff like that. So that's an, another symptom. So it seems as time's getting on, we're learning, you know, bits and pieces here and there. Um, but yeah, you know, interesting. So yeah, just different, different types of symptoms people are getting. So also we've just recently... I mean, we're going through this, I think we're nearly up to a year going through this, this whole COVID situation. And it's just, it's basically a lockdown cycle, you know, on off, you know, and it's, it's going to continue like that. It's just going to be a lockdown release, lockdown release. So really, we just have to get used to, to that. And, and saying that, you know, Boris has just come out and said, you know, we're officially getting into our second wave lockdown nationally um, from mid next week. So I think the new rules are, that, you know, you're not allowed to leave home unless it's for specific reasons. Um, essential shopping only. They're going to extend the furlough to December. Gyms and pubs will close. Hairdressers also close. Professional football will stay on, though. We'll continue with the football. Um, but they haven't said anything about grassroots football, which I'm quite interested in, you know. So, yeah. So that that's this is this is where it is now. So we're back back to where we were in April May somewhat. I was looking forward to getting back to the gym. I was kind of waiting to see if it affected the um the figures and I suppose the fact that they've they've now said that we can't go to the gym it must have played some part because I mean this time around the good thing is they're not closing the schools. That's 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 a good thing. I think that's a good thing myself. I think the kids need to be able to have some normality. Um, and I think we'll see the numbers go down as well. 
you know, off the back of that. I know people have spoken about this, you know, as the kids went back to school, the numbers went up. But to be fair, I, I, I've been I've been watching this this thing, and to be fair, I kind of noticed the numbers changing. The government issued numbers changing um, around the the August when we was allowed to go out to eat and stuff like that. You go out to eat and you get a discount. So, you know, the numbers started to go up from then, but there was a, a lot of media silence around that time, let's just say. But I, I saw it and, you know, yeah, I mean, I think the kids got the blame um, because obviously that happened straight after because obviously August, September, the kids go back in the first week of September. So I think the kids caught the blame, but I think it was more about sending everybody out to go and eat. In, in places and stuff but hey we're here now it's not a blame game we, we're all in it together and we've got to work it out and I think if one, one of the things I heard the scientists say today is it is um, it's not about getting anything 100% right because we, we can't and we don't know how to do everything 100% right but it's just the least worst option this is what they're trying to do and I think that's quite honest you know um, you know that's what it is and, and this is why people can pick it apart you know, we, we'll always have things to say, oh, you should have done this, you could have done this better. But the truth is, it's all a bit of a minefield and it's just trying to get some kind of balance um, to, to, to deal with the situation we've got. So, yeah, you, you, you have to... Um, we're, we're just going to have to work for it. That's, that's the truth of it. We're just going to have to work for it. So in regards to this vaccine that they're talking about, I mean, there was talks about that coming around for Christmas, which I thought was very, very, very ambitious, to say the least. Um, but they've, they've recently done a study, but quite a big study, you know, 350,000 people studies showing that the vaccine won't give people immunity. Um, so it'll be the kind of vaccine that you'd have to take every six months or so um, to kind of top up. So, you know, I, I think it's all ambitious, all this vaccine talk um it'd be great if you can find a vaccine and we can get rid of it but it doesn't seem that we're that close to anything like that um this might just be one of those one of those diseases that we have to learn to live with you know and it just changes the planet and how we how we do our thing on earth for the time being so but we'll see we'll see how that goes in scotland if, uh, the uh, students and teachers um will have to well, they're, they're saying that the students and teachers will have to wear masks four times in school um, if they go into tier three. So obviously Scotland does things a little bit different to down here. They haven't gone into that detail yet. Um, who knows? Maybe that'll be the thing down here. That, oh, Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's a lot of people that have issues with that. But a lot of people will also understand why it has to happen. So we'll see how that goes. Baroness Lawrence put out a report, she was involved in a report recently um, and spoke about how COVID's um, thriving among um, black, Asian and ethnic minority communities. Uh, and a, a government advisor said that the structural racism alone is not um, a reasonable explanation for it. And then Kemi, is it Kemi Badnock, went on to say um, there's a range of uh, social, social economic and geographical factors, including um, exposure at work, population density, household composition, and as well as um, pre-existing health conditions. 
Now, for me, the, the, the pre-existing health conditions is a big one, and it's a really obvious one. I, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a medical person at all, but to me, it's, it's an obvious thing, you know, that we, you know, as, as black people, you know, we, we know that we suffer from various things. This is documented stuff, especially, well, within the UK, you know, we have high blood pressure, we have, uh, we're prone for diabetes, we're prone for um, uh, prostate cancer. You know, there's a couple, there's a few things that we're prone to. So, and we find out that we have those things when things get really bad, you know, when we, you know, when we get really sick. But these things are, they don't start the day that we find out about them. They, they're starting before. So with this, when you're talking about pre-existing health conditions, some of these pre-existing health conditions we're not going to know about unless we've, gone out of our way to find out, you know, taking blood tests and stuff and finding out what's going on inside our body. So if we don't do that, we're not going to know until an infection like COVID gets inside our body and then we find out. So, so yeah, there's, a, there's, there's, there's lots of um, things that, uh, you know, are, are out there. They're in plain sight, you know, in plain view in regards to what things affect us um, specifically as black people and how that can impact us with this infection. I'm just surprised there's not a lot more preventative talk spoken uh, in the media um, that is targeted towards us as to what we can do, you know, because the, the, there are things that we can do to reduce, reduce the risks, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's something I find interesting. And even more interesting, in South Africa... Um, COVID, COVID infections have dramatically dropped recently. Um, in July, it, it's, it's important to say in July, uh, it was, they, they were trying to do the social distancing stuff there and it wasn't really working because obviously in South Africa it's quite dense, as, as big as the places where people live is quite dense and, and you know, people are living on top of each other. But um, this has, you know, the, the, the cases have dropped unexplained, uh, unexplainable. Um, scientists don't know why it's happened. The only thing scientists have said is it seems like it's um, natural herd immunity. Um, but like I said, it's important to say South Africa was ranked like the fifth most affected country at the, at the peak of this, this pandemic. So something's happening. Something's happening there and they, and they don't know what. Me, I, I, I have a feeling that the fact that, you know, being in a place... One thing... Okay, so as far as I understand it, vitamin D, um, the vitamin D levels for people living in somewhere like South Africa or anywhere where there's sun, um, you know, the Caribbean, Africa, etc. Um, black people are not going to have vitamin D deficiencies there because they're in the sun all the time, you know. So this is my understanding of it. So I think this is something that ties into why we have high levels of vitamin D deficiency in the UK. Um, we've, we've, well, I know that's a fact as well. And I, know, I know that to be true. The, the reason why we do have high levels of vitamin D deficiency in the UK as black people is because we don't get enough sun here, you know, and then people don't take um, the supplements and stuff. So, so yeah. It's, 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 it's all connected, it's all connected. So also um, there was a study in regards to um, when you take high, high levels, high intake of vitamin A, E and D, 
um, it's linked to fewer respiratory illnesses. This is what the studies are showing. So um, they spoke about um, 80 82%. It was a Spanish, in the Spanish hospital, they did this study, and it was talking about 82% of um, the 260 coronavirus patients they had there had vitamin D deficiency. And again, I go back to the fact, if you look on the NHS website, it talks about how black people, among others, among other people that have dark skin or have their skin covered or don't come out of their house that much, but main thing, they live in the UK, um, suffer from vitamin D deficiency. And I was one of them. This is, this is why I, I speak a lot about this vitamin D deficiency thing, because I accidentally found, found not accidentally, but I found out just through routine blood check um, about a decade ago, over a decade ago. So I've been through it and, and understand a bit about it. So, um, so yeah, off the back of that study, um, Matt Hancock um, ordered a review uh, another review into the, the, into the effects of um, vitamin D on this COVID situation. Um, after previously saying, you know, it had no effect, but obviously, you know, science has moved on. Um, but again, to me, this is, this was clear to see and clear to understand for me, even at the beginning of the year, you know, just understanding how important vitamin D is, you know, in regards to building our immune system and stuff. So, yeah. So um, we spoke about in the last episode, I spoke about um, a young boy that was was murdered um, in Walthamstow. But at the time, we didn't know his name. So I, I just wanted to, you know, just out of respect, kind of they just, you know, mention his name, you know, because he was, he was nameless last week. So his name is Babakar Jabi de Kahuru and he was age 17. Um, so thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family now they know that it's their, their family member that passed away. And unfortunately, um, a 15-year-old boy um, was killed in a double stabbing in Wandsworth as well this week. And that makes the 13th um, teenager to be violently killed in London this year. You know, 13 is, 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 is too much, man. It's way too much. That's a, that's a lot of young people, lights put out, you know, prematurely. So whatever you can do, whatever young person you can speak to, find out if they're in any issues with anybody, if, they, if they're being, you know, just anything, just speak to young people. If you get an opportunity to speak to them and be a bit of a, bit of a you know, a detective to find out if you can support them because sometimes they're not as open as we might like them to be. But you just asking a little bit more, taking a little bit more time, that, that might save someone's life, you know, so... Yeah, but my thoughts and prayers go out to those um, young people. Um, but again, this is this young boy, this 15-year-old, um, hasn't been named publicly. I'm not sure if if they they know if they've contacted parents and stuff yet. But once I find out who the name is, I, I will obviously um, let that be known as well. So. Um, so in regards to history, his, and it's quite recent history. Um, there's a street in, in Birmingham, in Smevik, called Marshall Street. Um, and I found out that, you know, in the past, it was known as the most racist street in Britain. So much so, Malcolm X came over to the UK to visit the street. Um, and it was, unfortunately, nine days before he was assassinated. Um, and there's actually a blue plaque 
um, for Malcolm X in, in, in Smevic for that, um, and it still stands there today. But what was happening there, What uh, the white people living on the street, they basically lobbied um, the, the, the council um, not, to, not to have any black people there. Um, and what the council did, they, they bought up all the properties and, you know, to, and just rented them out to white people, and that's how they dealt with it. And this was only 55 years ago. You know, that's real recent history. That's recent history, and it's, it just amazes me. You know, you know that you know, these kind of things went on and it, there's a history and a legacy, but it, it still amazes me when I hear things like this. And, and I, I, I never knew there was a, a, a blue plaque up there for Malcolm X, you know? Who knew, you know? So, so yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah, Marshall Street. Um, but I've, I believe that the, the street is now quite multicultural. Um, this is part of the past, but, yeah, it's, it's still good to know. It's still good to understand that that's what was going on. So Prince Harry um, had a sit-down talk, I think it was for GQ TV or GQ magazine, um, with um, Patrick Hutchinson, um, the man who, at, the, at the, um, one of the marches, the Black Lives Matter march, um, carried the the far right protester um, to safety. So Harry was talking about um, unconscious bias, which is a which is a, a big thing. You know that 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 is something that you know people just don't realise. You know that they they are biased. You know and it's and it's unconscious and that's why they don't know. Um, some people are open to discuss it and move forward with it. Some people um, kind of try to dismiss it, but it's a real thing. And and if you're on the other end of it, you know it because you feel it. Um, and you see it and you hear it. So, um, but yeah, they spoke about that. And he, uh, Prince Harry, um, spoke about um, you know living in living in his wife's shoes has taught him about unconscious bias, probably through the conversations and just seeing how the media treats her, etc. Um, and he he takes note that you know his upbringing, his education, with the way how he's grown up, you know, as royalty, he had no idea that it existed. So I'm just really glad to you know that he has. You know, he's ended up with a, a woman, a wife, you know, a mother to his child that can teach him brand new things that, you know, that, you know, his brother won't know, you know, not in the same way. You know, he, he's learning it firsthand because he's with a woman of colour, you know, so he's going to learn a lot firsthand. So, yeah, hats off, hats off to Harry to, to reflecting and, and being public with it, you know. Um, and unfortunately, um, in in America, there's there's been a few, a few more killings um, of of innocent, you know, seemingly innocent. I can't see it. I mean, I've watched the videos, I've read the reports, and and these guys seem to be not guilty of anything. You know, Marcellus um, Stinnett, um, 19 year old, shot dead in Chicago. Um, they also wounded his his, his partner. Um, Tafara Williams. Um, the, off, off, the police describe it as a traffic stop. Um, and since then, um, the officer who, 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 who killed Marcellus has been, um, he's been fired, basically. So, you know, it's, it's good to see that, you know, that kind of actions um, happen quickly, you know, rather than, you know, the, the extended version of, of, you know, you kill, you kill somebody, you're still working, they're still trying to work out stuff. No, they've they've done the they've seemingly done the right thing, you know, and fired him straight away. So, hopefully, they get justice. And yeah, my thoughts and prayers go out to to all of these all of these people that have lost their life. Also, there's um, Walter Wallace, also out in America, 27 year old, shot multiple times in in Philadelphia. 
Um, and this was after his, his family had called the ambulance because he was having a mental health episode. So off of the back of that, obviously the police come and, and, and they've shot him multiple times. And, and when you watch the video, it's, it's horrific. You know, and I can only, I can't really imagine how, how the family must feel because they must feel guilty the sense that they called. They're the people that called the ambulance in, but they, they shouldn't feel guilty. But I can imagine they will do because, you know, they, they, they called, they, but they called the ambulance. They didn't call the police. They didn't call gun police. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just really sad. And his, his wife is pregnant as well. They, she's due to give birth any day now. Um, it's just so sad. It's just sad. Um, and it, it just fuels, it just fuels the fire, man. It just fuels that negative energy out there. America is, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a powder cake bomb ready to go off. Uh, it's, it's just, yeah, I'm just glad I'm not out there. I'm just glad I'm not living in, in, in America at this moment. Um, but I have family out there, so I, I do pray for them and, you know, stay in contact with them and make sure everybody's okay. But yeah, um, yeah, so in England, though, um, recently as well, two brothers were detained in um, Deptford um, over a fist bump. So two brothers that probably just bumped into each other on the street um, and they were suspected of passing drugs to each other. So now they're taking uh, the police to court. Um, the independent uh, police um, conduct um, are reviewing it um, and Basically, even even they're saying that I I think they, in the abbreviation is IOPC. Um, even they're saying that the legitimacy of the stop and searches um, were undermined, you know, by a number of issues that they're having to deal with. So the more these police are going out and doing these, you know, these dodgy things and, and overdoing stuff and stuff like that, you know, when they, when they go in front of the IOPC, you know, it's it's clear to see, you know, because obviously there's body cam evidence. Sometimes there's people are filming it, so you can't hide anymore. You know, years ago you could have you could have hid the nonsense that you do, but you can't now. So, you know, I, I, maybe maybe it's just because maybe it's about retraining, man. It's finding new ways of doing things. We can't keep doing the same thing and expecting new results. So, yeah, maybe these police just need a new way of being trained, you know, to deal with things. So, yeah, I just, you know what, I just want to rally back to the stuff about um, vitamin D deficiency. So, I mean, on, if you look on the NHS website, if you type in NHS vitamin D deficiency, all the information will come up. It's hidden in plain sight, to be fair. And word for word, this is what it says. If you, if you have dark skin, for example, you, have, you are of African or um, Caribbean or South Asian background, you may also not get enough vitamin D from sunlight in the UK, that is. Um, you should consider taking daily supplements containing at least 10 micrograms of vitamin D throughout the year. Now, you know, on, on the surface, I mean, that's, that's good information, you know, because some vitamin D supplement is better than none, as I, as I keep saying. Um, but for you to know if you have a deficiency, and let me just add, like I said, I've been through this about a decade, over a decade ago, and every black person I've told to check their bloods um, to find out if they've got a vitamin D deficiency, every single one has come back with a vitamin D deficiency. So how do you know if you're vitamin D deficient? You have to have a blood test. That's going to be 
the, what tells you. And you get that by going to your GP and asking for one. Um, so that's how you do that. Um, and what happens then, they'll, if you've got vitamin D deficiency, they'll put you on a high dose for a few weeks and then they'll check your blood again, um, make sure your levels are correct. And then that's when you start taking that 10 micrograms. It's basically a maintenance dose and you take, need to take that all year round because vitamin D is one of those nutrients that doesn't stay in your body. Um, so, but vitamin D is necessary for proper um, functioning of your immune system. And this is what this year has been about. All of the talk we've heard about this year with sickness, etc., it's all been talk about your immune system because that's what COVID will be attacking if it gets inside your body. Um, so, but for me, it's not just about COVID. This is, this is something that we should be thinking about anyway. You know, regardless of COVID or not, COVID's here, so we definitely need to check it out. But we should have been looking after our immune system um, from, from day one, really, you know. Um, and they, there are no shortcuts. You need a blood test. That's, that's the truth of it. You're just not going to know. And you can, remember, you can take too much vitamin D. You can have too much, you know, and that can affect your kidney. So I know some people are just like, okay, I'll just take loads of it. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, man. This is stuff that I, I, I've read from the NHS. You know, you can look for various sources or whatever. Go and speak to a professional. But one thing is not in any doubt. Vitamin D is necessary. Vitamin D is connected to your, your, your immune system, you know. And this infection attacks your immune system. You... you Guys, we need, we, we need to work it out. And as black people, uh, my, my, if you, if you want to take my advice as a non-professional medical person, because I'm not a medical person at all, if you want to take my advice based on my life experience, every black person should go and get a blood test to check your vitamin D levels. It don't cost you nothing. The only thing is what's going to cost you afterwards is buying supplements. And it's not expensive at all but that will help you to be a more healthier individual. I'll leave that there. So um, they have found that on the moon, they have, well, not they, <laughs> on the moon, there is water. They found water on the light side of the moon, which is obviously helps because um, they've, they're constantly trying to look for other planets for us to occupy. Um, I, I have no no intention of leaving this planet. I don't think all of that stuff's going to happen in my lifetime anyway, but i um, quite happy here, to be fair. Uh, I've got no... The moon doesn't look like somewhere I want to be living, nor does Mars, but hey, there's water there, so it looks more likely that we, we can inhabit, in, ha, inhabit the moon in some way, shape, or form. Um, this month as well is... Uh, it's, we have a blue moon this week. Basically, we have a blue moon tonight, actually, as I'm recording this. We have a blue moon. And basically, you get a blue moon when you get two um, full moons in, in one month. So that, and that happens every couple of years. The last time it happened, I believe, was March 2018 was the last time that happened. So, so yeah, something, something different, something to, to look out for tonight. Um, also, uh, the, you can still see Mars. Um, if, you, if, you, if you can see the moon to the left of it, I believe, regardless of where you are in the UK. But yeah, to the left of it, you'll see a bright star, what looks like a bright star, but it's not a star. It's actually Mars, which I think is amazing um, to be able to see that from Earth. 
So on the TV this week, I watched the final episode on BBC Two of Enslaved with Samuel Jackson, part four. On this episode, they focused on um, the events that led to the end of slavery. Um, he spoke about, they spoke about the, um, you know, 12 million Africans were, were trafficked from Africa and 2 million um, died en route. Um, they spoke about a tribe as well, um, well, people, um, the bribe uh, bribe people of Costa Rica. Very, very interesting. I definitely, you know, definitely research that, bribe I think they spell it B-R-I-B-R-I. Um, people of Costa Rica. So yeah, very interesting. Love that show. Love that. Loved all of those episodes. Also on BBC Two, um, they had um, the Black Stars of Film. Really, really, really good. Really good. Um, good show to watch with the family. Um, looked at the famous um, black people of, of theatre and of, of entertainment. Um, really, uh, well, they I learned about um, Halle Berry being. Um, it's basically sixty years after the second. So she was the second black woman to win an Oscar, but it was 60 years after um, the first black woman to win an Oscar, which was Hattie McDaniels, who won it in 1940 for playing Mammy in Gone, for the Wind, Gone with the Wind. Um, so yeah, 60 years it took. You know, I think about all the women that done marvellous pieces of acting, played really good parts, etc. but it's taken, it took 60 years. So yeah, a bit of a... Um, bit of a, uh, I don't know, what's the word, disparity? I don't think that's a word, but yeah, it doesn't seem correct, <laughs> let me say that. Um, and also uh, looked at um, Sidney Poitier, um, 1964, he was like the first black man to win an Oscar um, for his uh, role in Lilies of the Field. And then in 1990, Denzel Washington became the second black male to win an Oscar um, for Glory. Again, 40 years after Sidney Poitier. You know, some, something obviously <laughs> was amiss. Um, but yeah, I, th I, think I think this year is, is going gonna, is gonna to be the year of readdressing all of these imbalances. So also, um, a comedian, um, Nibal, Nibal, who is on um, ITV's British Got Talent. So he got, um, he got 3,000 complaints sent into Ofcom from his, his last performance. Um, but thankfully... Ofcom saw sense um, and they said that, um, they took his, his jokes, etc., um, as freedom of expression um, and they decided not to launch any type of investigation. Good on you, Ofcom. Good off you. The, the, good, good on you, rather. These people who are complaining, uh, you know, what comes to mind is they've got a lot of time on their hand and yes, because we're in Corona um, time, pandemic, a lot of people are at home and have got a lot to do. Oh, sorry, haven't got anything to do. So, hey, they, they decide to make these complaints. So, yes, so um, ITV, Loose Women. Loose Women have been applauded um, for a historical all-black panel um, in the last couple of weeks. It had um, Charlene White, the news presenter, Brenda Edwards, Kelly Bryan and Judy Love. Um, and they was also joined by um, Baroness Doreen Lawrence. Um, to talk about her son's legacy, Stephen Lawrence's legacy. So that's powerful, man. Um, you know, you know, all, all black cast. You know, uh, shouldn't it shouldn't even be a thing to be fair. Shouldn't we shouldn't? It should have happened many a times before. So much so that it's not a thing. But just the fact that it is a thing um, just shows we we still got a long way to go. Um, and will I be surprised if people complain to Ofcom? <laughs> not at all. 
not at all. You know, people people do the strangest things. So a book I've been asked to, uh, you know, um, promote, to push, um, for, for people to um, have a look at is why I am no longer speaking to white people about race. So I haven't got this book myself, but the title is, is, is compelling and interesting. It seems like a book maybe everyone should read, black and white. Um, because I, I think that will tell us all a little bit of something. So, so yeah, that's a book to have a look at. Um, why I'm no longer speaking to white people about race. So, as I always say, this year is unlike any year that we've known. Um, however, there are countless new opportunities that didn't exist last year. It's not all doom and gloom. And I know it feels like all doom and gloom, but really, it's really, you know, that's one part of the story. That's one part of the story. Human beings are very resilient. So history has shown that. We've been here for a long time, you know, and we've been for a lot. And this is just another one of those things that we'll look back on and say, yeah, that was a lot, but we got through it. So, you know, the negatives are there. Negatives are very obvious and blatant in our face. But tr please, for your own sake, for your family's sake, look for the opportunities um, because they do exist out there and they are brand new, brand new opportunities. So I'm going to end this show. Um, I want to, this not this show, this episode, I'm going to dedicate this episode to my closest and oldest friend, Hussein Mustafa, who sadly lost his life this week. Um, I love you, my brother. Um, and I miss you. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully you can join me in the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.